Hey, welcome to a special edition of Irish Illustrated Insider Extra. I'm joined on the line by Chip Brown of Horns Digest to talk a little bit about the Longhorns. And uh, Chip, before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about Notre Dame's offseason, which has been unusually quiet. Uh, the exact opposite, the case in Austin. So what has been the most interesting thing to happen with the Texas football program since last season ended uh, to today where training camp is about a month away now? Well, Pete, first and foremost, thanks for uh, inviting me in to the Notre Dame Irish Illustrated podcast for all your listeners. They already know you're the best in the business at covering Notre Dame. I've known you since we were together at Rivals and now uh, at the just fast rising, totally you know, vision oriented scout network. And so always great to talk to you. But yeah, I mean... What a crazy offseason this has been for Texas because of Baylor. I mean, Baylor um, finds itself in the middle of a Title IX uh, investigation. Well, they invited the investigation by the Pepper Hamilton law firm, and it unearths all these findings of fact that, you know, they didn't they did not have a Title IX coordinator from 11 to 14. And Art Bryles is suspended with intent to terminate, then ultimately settles his contract. And in the process, um, more than a dozen football players want out of their scholarship. And now four of those have found their way to Texas. Um, Really, first and foremost, Devin Duvernay, uh, one of the top receivers in the 2016 class, just a game changer, you know, similar to Percy Harvin, um, similar to Christian Kirk in the more recent recruiting circles, just incredibly fast, great wiggle uh, as a receiver and in the return game. So I expect him to come in and make an immediate impact. Uh, They pick up a couple of uh, four-star offensive linemen and Patrick Hudson, who's just a mauler at guard and 6'6", 300-pound J.P. Urquides from Coppers Cove, Texas. Um, so they've, you know, just loaded up on the offensive line in that 2016 class. And now that class is rising in the rankings on signing day. Texas was eighth in scouts team recruiting rankings and Baylor was 19th. Now Texas is fourth and moving in on third and Baylor's recruiting class is 41st. So um, big shift uh, and crazy offseason um, for Texas, primarily because of Baylor. So, um, it, yeah, the roster is still going. Recruiting is still going. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting. And then you look at sort of what they have coming back. There's a chance they could have more true freshmen starting than seniors. Uh, and they will ha- have probably more new assistant coaches than either of those with five new guys. And the Sterling Gilbert hire, I, I think, is the most curious to me because it was – Fairly public, a little bit protracted, slightly awkward um, in terms of him coming down from Tulsa. You know, with with him now on strong staff, I mean, really they had two different offensive coordinators last year, and now they have a different one. What's what's the difference, and, and what have you been able to pick up this offseason in terms of the direction he wants to take that offense that uh, you know re- really needed a new direction? Well, Charlie was either totally bamboozled by Sean Watson or Charlie just was not paying attention 
um, when Sean Watson said, yeah, I can spread things out and change the offense. Uh, and then we saw against Notre Dame in the opener last year it was a three and out a thon. I mean, eight three and outs in 12 possessions. It was a disaster. Watson was demoted along with Joe Wickline, the offensive line coach, uh, and officially the offensive coordinator. Um, although that matter was settled out of court with Oklahoma State um, after last season. But it was a mess. I mean, Jay Norvell, who comes in as the receivers coach from OU, ends up being the play caller. He was all over the place. Um, clearly, they were best when they were running the power spread. That's what they used to beat Oklahoma, a two-back set that you'll see a ton of uh, this season. Uh, they beat Oklahoma and Kansas State, which has been a nemesis team for them. And then they came out throwing against Iowa State, got beat 24 to nothing, and really the Wolves were were right on top of Charlie at that point. But he finished the year with a win over Baylor, even though they were on their seventh-string quarterback. And and you're right. I mean, there was a lot of coaching change. Sterling Gilbert, who comes from the Art Briles tree, and honestly, Pete, I thought he was the better answer than Sonny Cumbie, even though Cumbie and Doug Meacham went into TCU two years ago and transformed a pathetic offense, averaging 25 points per game uh, on a team that went four and eight to an offense that averaged 46.5 points per game and went 12 and one uh, in 2014. The Sterling Gilbert, um, our brow, we call it the G-Force offense because people don't want to refer to it as the Art Bryles offense. But yeah. it's a popular term now. Right. I mean, Art Bryles really changed his his mindset. He was about the air raid and, and throwing it 40, 50 times a game and realized at Houston, I can't, I can't win big with that. I've got to run it 60% of the time. And that's when he you know, moved the receivers out to the numbers and, you know, maintained regular splits on the offensive line, used the the speed and the threat of those receivers going deep to spread the defense and ran the ball. I mean, the, if you go back and look at Baylor, that is a running offense and they run it 60% of the time or did. And that's what you're going to see with Texas. And it, they're, they're equipped to do it with um, Deontay Foreman and Chris Warren and some speed on the outside. Devin Duvernay will certainly help in that. But uh, Colin Johnson, the six foot six, uh, two hundred and twelve pound receiver, true freshman, came in early, uh, proved to be a man. I mean, he quickly grabbed a starting spot, and his father. Uh, Johnny Johnson, former All-American defensive back at Texas, and uh, Colin's older brother, Kirk Johnson, is a really talented running back who tore his ACL um, and is coming back from that injury. Uh, and John Burt on the other side, a world-class hurdler. Um, so it is a completely different offense. It is the Baylor offense. And I think, Charlie, it was a, a mess of a hire. I mean, the president of the university and the athletic director had to get on a private jet because 
of either miscommunication or terrible communication between um, Arthur Johnson, the uh, associate athletic director who was talking to Sterling Gilbert's agent, and Charlie Strong uh, as to what the terms of the contract were that were going to be offered because what Sterling's agent heard and what Sterling was ultimately offered were different and it caused Sterling Gilbert to walk away and then ultimately, as as I said, the president of the university and the athletic director having to fly on a private jet to Tulsa to hire a guy who was making 125000 as offensive coordinator last year, now making 850000 uh, <laughs> with a three-year guaranteed contract. I mean, I guess Charlie didn't want to admit that he was having to pay like that, but you know, you have two losing seasons in a row at Texas and you are absolutely on the hot seat. So I think the the offense installation went great. They have the personnel to run this offense. Shane Bouchelle, the the true freshman quarterback who was also an early enrollee, clearly the best quarterback in the spring, hands down. I don't know why they haven't announced him as the starter for Notre Dame, possibly because Gerard Hurd injured his shoulder and did not get a chance to compete all the way through the spring for the starting quarterback job. So they'll let him compete in fall camp, but I, I expect it will be true freshman Shane Bouchelle at quarterback against Notre Dame. I mean, I saw Bouchelle at the opening last summer and I mean, he looked good, but there wasn't really anything about him. Maybe think, Oh, this guy's going to be starting against Notre Dame as a true freshman on Sunday night. Um, so what, what did he show you in spring ball that not only makes you think that he's better than Hurd and Swoops, which is not, I guess that's not really the point of it. Like he has to be so much better that the offense can be good. Like what is it about his skill set that makes you think that he might be good right away, even if even if he's not, you know, an all American on Sunday night in the opener against Notre Dame? Really quick decision making. He he understands this offense. He knows what he's reading. He makes quick decisions and he gets the ball out and he's accurate. And that's the biggest thing. He won the accuracy competition at the Elite Eleven. He's really you know, a pinpoint guy. Of course, his dad, Steve Bouchelle, uh, was an infielder with the Texas Rangers baseball team, is still a, a coach on that team. Um, in fact, he was ejected in the Ruggio Dur melee with, uh, with Jose Bautista. Hmm. Bouchelle's dad was the only other guy ejected along with Ruggio Dur in that, in that mess. But, um, you know, Shane's just really accurate and he is a work he's a workhorse i mean he's he charlie strong told a story the other day about you know shane calling him at 10 30 at night and saying hey colin and i want to go and throw inside the bubble and charlie's like you know you can throw tomorrow and shane said no coach you know we we want to throw tonight just please you know open the open the bubble so um shane's showing that kind of leadership and and he's not afraid to lead. He, he expects to lead. And um, he digested the run pass option plays much faster and carried them out much better than swoops and herd in the spring. But really, it's the quick decision making. And, you know, he, there's a play in the spring game where he, he gets flushed from the pocket. He gets spun around, gets his eyes up down the field and throws a perfect strike in the end zone to Colin Johnson, who dropped the pass. But 
that play probably more than any other signified to Texas fans, okay, that's the guy because those are plays we haven't seen from a Texas quarterback since Colt McCoy. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. I mean, it's like the last six years, Texas 41 and 35 overall, which coincides with, with Brian Kelly's run up here. Um, defensively, I mean, you you talked up Malik Jefferson when we talked last season. He looked great in warmups, looked great during the game. I mean, you could, I think I described him on your show as he's Texas's Jalen Smith. There was nothing about what I saw from Jefferson that made me think otherwise in that game. Um, but what do they have around him? I mean, it's, it's, it's still a relatively young defense. Um, you know, it, it's not, you know, Holton Hill is a guy that Notre Dame recruited familiar with him. Uh, Boyette on the defensive line, Hughes on the defensive line. These are names that played last year, but um, I mean, what, what do you make of that side of the ball? Particularly? I mean, the big 12 is such a high scoring league. It's not like you can, expect to hold teams under 20 points most week I mean do they have the firepower on that side that to me is the side of the ball with the most questions because they did not get better as the season went on they gave up they couldn't get off the field on third down Um, I thought they should have been a, a blitz team much more of a blitz team than they were they that's how they beat Oklahoma they really sold out and blitzed Uh, Baker Mayfield and those blitzes got home and Malik Jefferson had two sacks in that game and was the national, you know, freshman of the week. Um, And so, you know, there are questions up front. They did not have a pass rush last year with Nashawn Hughes and Bryce Cottrell. Shiro Davis is gone and that is good news for Texas fans. I mean, he had one sack last year. So they've brought in a ton of talent young talent that will push the Paul Boyettes and the Puna Fords and the Nashon Hughes up front. And then at linebacker, you've got Malik Jefferson. You've got a guy, Anthony Wheeler, who I think is poised for a breakout season. Um, He'll probably play the middle and that will allow Malik to move around and shoot gaps and really use his speed and, ability to blitz and their secondary it just you know against Notre Dame you didn't see Devontae Davis and Holton Hill last year those two finished the year among the best corners in the Big 12 as true freshmen Um, Devontae Davis may be the best NFL prospect on the team uh, 6'2 corner from Miami and Holton Hill a 6'3 corner from Houston Lamar and those guys are fearless. And I think they'll upgrade at the safety position. I fully expect Deshaun Elliott um, to, to emerge at the safety position. He had two interceptions against Kansas. He had a late interception against Baylor and just didn't get on the field enough, in my opinion. I'm not sure. You know, Vance Bedford is old school. I think Charlie's going to have to get more involved in getting Vance Bedford to trust young players more and, and blitz more. I mean, they've got really athletic defenders and they kind of sat back. They didn't have a pass rush last year. I didn't understand what they were doing. They gave up 219 yards per game on the ground. They could not get off the field on third down. They gave up 30.3 points per game. I mean, Charlie is a defensive coordinator. 
he sat Vance Bedford down in the Baylor game, and they they finally got that defense adjusted. But um, I mean, Chris Warren's dad tweeted in the middle of that game, if Texas loses this game, Vance Bedford should be fired. I mean, it was it was a mess on that side of the ball, and Charlie really wanted Clint Hurt, his former defensive line coach and recruiting coordinator at Louisville, to come to Texas. He had been under show cause because he was the recruiting coordinator at Miami right. under Nevin Shapiro, but Texas did not take him back, and so um, you know Charlie may have to get more involved because I, I'm told that Clint Hurt was sort of the staff cop at Louisville and kind of kept the front and the back of the defense tied together. Uh, So this is a huge year for the defense. I think the offense is going to be fine. It's the defense and the communication between the front and the back of that defense as to whether Texas has a good turnaround season um, or potentially a surprise turnaround season. Interesting. Yeah, I'm just curious, like what the perspective is around uh, Texas of, of Notre Dame right now. Because I mean, last year's game was bad, thirty-eight to three, but it's it's a non-conference game. There was so much that just got basically scrapped after week one for Texas last year. So I don't know how applicable any of it is to this year going and down there Sunday night. I mean, Notre Dame's first trip there in twenty years. It was John Makovic versus Lou Holtz the last time Notre Dame was there. Ron Paulus was the quarterback, and Autry Denson was Notre Dame's leading rusher, and now he's their running backs coach. So it's like it's a completely different world. Um, so, I mean, what is the perception around this game uh, for Texas? I, I can't imagine it's the most important game on the schedule uh, with Oklahoma there and what's at stake in the Big 12. But, I mean, what what is the perception of, of Notre Dame and, and this game around Austin? Well, I think it's a measuring stick. For Texas, I think Texas fans expect Notre Dame to win, but they want to see Texas be competitive in this game, you know, possibly in the fourth quarter with a chance to win the game. Because if if Texas gets lit up again, like they did last year in South Bend, then the fans are not they're not going to believe in in the program under Charlie Strong. It's it's that simple. And Charlie will be fighting uphill the rest of the year to to get the fans back, make sure his players aren't listening to, you know, Charlie's going to get fired talk. Um, but at the same time, I think they look and see all the talent that is no longer at Notre Dame. You know, there's no Jalen. Yeah, there's a lot. Sheldon Day, you know, up front on the offensive line. Um, will the, Fuller on the outside for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to forget torching uh texas secondary last year so um you know i think charlie would not have agreed to move the game to sunday night if he did not think that texas could be competitive and that game really bothered charlie last year he had been at notre dame with lou holtz uh he knows what the what the stage is when texas plays notre dame he wanted texas to be up for being on that stage and they weren't. And I think he's hell bent to make sure this team's ready to be competitive on September 4th. I mean, just wrapping, I mean, a couple guys that you think 
you know, were not even on the radar in this game last year. Guys that we didn't even mention previewing Notre Dame, Texas in 2015 that you think, Shane Bouchelle aside, obviously, um, that you think could be real key players uh, in September. I think offensively, um, you know, the, the running backs, Deontay Foreman and Chris Warren, for sure. Those two are big, strong backs who can run. Really good balance. I mean, Chris Warren, obviously the son of former Pro Bowl running back uh, Chris Warren uh, with the Seahawks and, and the Cowboys. Uh, just really good balance. I mean, guys bounce off of him. And and Deontay Foreman, who's the less heralded twin brother of, of receiver, Armonte Foreman, who was the four-star. Deontay was an afterthought. I mean, Texas had to be talked into taking him, and now he's the lead dog. And Armonte's struggling to, to get a – a foothold in the in the rotation at receiver but Colin Johnson and John Burt on the outside they make this offense go you have to have receivers who are a threat to go the distance on every play in this offense because if if you get man coverage the check is a go route so um, that's built into this offense and if Texas sees single high safety uh, or man coverage on the outside, they will check to a go route. And, you know, those those receivers have to be able to bring it in. They have to be able to scare the defense. And, um, you know, once you get a defense that has to sort of play protection over the top with, you know, zone coverage uh, deep, then this offense is right where it wants to be because the linebackers are having to choose whether to spread out or stay in the box. And, and that's, you know, all the checks are, are built on how many are in the box. So I think this offense is going to be completely different. Notre Dame fans are going to say, wow, okay, this is, this is uh, a whole new look. And, and those are the names that uh, I think will jump out. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. Cause I, I think it's going to be a bit of a litmus test for Notre Dame too. And I, I think the, the inverse perception up here is true as well. Like Notre Dame fans expect Notre Dame to win the game, not but not like last year. There's a little bit more of a, a threat factor there, and I think the way you're describing what Texas wants to run offensively may play into some of Notre Dame's weaknesses. I mean, they may be starting a true freshman at safety. Um, they may be starting a redshirt freshman at corner, probably so. Um, so it's going to be a, re, a reworked defense. But uh, Chip, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And I have a feeling we'll be talking uh, a handful of times in the next couple months before uh, September 4th rolls around and uh, I get down to Austin to cover this one. Pete, I look forward to talking to you whenever you want to talk football and I will make sure you have a great time in Austin when you come down. It shouldn't, uh, shouldn't be difficult. Thanks again, Chip.